Okay, I think I came up with a new intro that we could do. You ready mm-hmm. to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Captivity, the cozy mystery podcast in which we investigate a literary genre that involves cat solving crimes. What do you think? Yeah, I like it. Um, I also was going to add in, we're also terrified of the idea that our own cats can spot ghosts. So we're going to look into cats who see ghosts, cats who are ghosts, cats who are alien overlords from other planets. Yes? Yeah. All of the above? That's really what I'm more afraid of. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Ooh, I saw a bug. This is like a little bit off topic, but I saw a bug the other day that I'm like 98% sure was an alien. What? Okay. Tell me everything about it. So it was tiny. It was the size of a big ant. Because you know how like there's the small ants and then there's like the big fat ants? Uh-huh. It was like sort of in the middle. Okay. And it was pure white. Whoa. Like, like snow white. Um, and it was a little round, like white bump, and it had like a big fluffy tail. <gasps> okay. But it was really tiny. And I I saw it, it was crawling on the table, like kind of in my computer space. And I was like, Oh, you're a fun looking bug. I don't want to squish you. And so I picked up a leaf and tried to like, you know, get it on the leaf so I could move it. Yeah. And every time I put the leaf in front of it. It would turn, look at me, and shake its little <gasps> fist at my face. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no. The first time it happened, I was like, that was a, a fluke, right? <laughs> that was just a the bug doing its thing with little bug feet. Surely you this know? bug isn't giving me the finger right now. <laughs> <laughs> this bug doesn't understand what's going on. Surely. And then... <laughs> And then I did it again, and it turned, it shook its little fist at me again. And I was <gasps> like, okay, maybe I should leave this alien alone. <laughs> yeah, that alien was studying you. You were not supposed to involve yourself with that alien. Yeah, so I don't know where it was from, but <gasps> obviously not this planet. Oh my god, it could also be a ghost, I guess. Little bug friend, little bug ghost. Yeah, what if that, oh my god, did anyone else see the bug? No. So what if the bug was just in your imagination? Not your imagination. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I meant like, just what if it was just a crazy imagination? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So maybe now should we introduce ourselves and like who we are? And then I thought after that, we could introduce our cats. Oh, sure. I don't have any of my cats around me. Well, that's okay. They don't need to. I mean, I'm sure down the road we could have them talk into the microphone, but we don't really need yeah. to do that this time. Although I'm sure I could find Franklin and squeeze him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Mushu basically is a ghost, so no one will ever hear him. That's true. He is. You could just hear the silence of him lurking under the bed. Yeah, or under the porch. Yeah, true. Oh, true. He is under the porch at the moment, probably. Okay, so I'm Eva Gross. I live in Los Angeles, and I work in and around sometimes the entertainment industry. And I have two cats, Murphy and one named Franklin. And Murphy is a luxurious tuxedo cat who is quite the diva. And Franklin uh, likes to knock everything off of our shelves in our apartment and jump onto the fridge and chase his tail and fall off the fridge. I don't know if there's anything else notable about me. That's about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you have more to say about yourself than I will. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> so my name's Julia Gross. I am floating right now in the world because I just got back from Peace Corps and don't have a job. <laughs> yeah. Your job is like cat mediator in a house filled with seven cats. Seven? That's true. Yes. Seven cats. I will not introduce them all because they're not all mine. <laughs> <laughs> Only yours Only... are invited to this podcast. Although I'm sure yeah, we'll talk about the other ones. Yeah. Only mine are notable right now. <laughs> so I have three. Three of my own. Mushu was the first love of my life uh, who came around oh how many years ago probably like five at this point yeah, four or five that sounds about right yeah so he showed up on our front porch oh to our house as, in virginia sorry i just wanted yeah, to, to clarify yes um where i'm currently living yes so he showed up kind of out of nowhere poor little skeleton cat with anxiety Aww. and had obviously gotten lost from his previous owners sorry previous owners we stole your cat <laughs> <laughs> but you know sometimes i feel like cats just find their ways their way to the right person it's true he did show up a little sad side note he did show up two days after we put down one of our old childhood cats really oh my god i did not remember that yeah, it was right after we put Serenita down. <gasps> it was like two days later and Mushu showed up. Oh my god. Do you, have you ever considered that maybe, well, I guess Mushu and Serenita are kind of completely different. But They I was are like, polar opposites. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> so it's not like one could be inhabiting the other. Okay, continue. I was about to get real existential yeah. up in here. No, they're polar opposites. <laughs> but anyway, that's where Mushu came from, the woods where he had obviously been living and starving for, like, quite some time. Oh, backwards poor, Virginia. Poor Mushu. Mushu. Yeah, poor Mushu. Not a survivor. No. Um, so my other two cats are Peace Corps pets. I found them both in Albania. The Royal Albanian cats! And actually, funny enough, Ari was also found in quite the sad state. She was a tiny little kitten that showed up at my building covered in mange. Oh, um, those pictures were those pictures were brutal yeah so she she had her little kitty life saved in albania by <laughs> someone who did not want a cat at the time but you know it worked out <laughs> have you ever not wanted a cat though i mean i always want cats <laughs> but living in a northern village with a vet that doesn't acknowledge cats as animals <laughs> yeah <laughs> challenging yes to say the least so anyway you know she she pulled through she no more mange she is a survivor whereas yeah Mushu she maybe... absolutely yeah mushi would never survive on his own ari could wander into the woods and like be fine she's a feisty little creature little mange monster <laughs> and then my next cat that i found is king of the trash literally <laughs> popped out of a dumpster and followed me home and Trubbish. i couldn't say no Trubbish, yeah. <laughs> um, his name is Trubbish, Cat Stevens, and Chuni, whatever you would like to call him. And Chuni means just generally guy, right? This is yeah. kind of like the equivalent of dude in Albanian? Sort of, yeah, but like more widely used. Oh, okay. I'd say like there might not be too much of a colloquial equivalent in English, but basically boy. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I realized now I'm jealous. I didn't tell the stories of how we got Murphy and Franklin. I just kind of breezed by oh. through not knowing what to say. Um, well, tell them now. Yeah, I guess I could tell you now. 
So yeah. Murphy, we, uh, my boyfriend and I, John, had decided that we were going to get a cat. And friends of John, well, a friend of John's had found this cat. Well, we think she maybe, it was like this neighborhood and Murphy was kind of wandering around with a couple siblings. And we think that the friend was kind of like, yoink, you are not being taken care of by the people <laughs> that I suspect own you. So, mm. which I wholeheartedly support anyone who does yeah. that. So, Obviously. I mean, otherwise it would end up with me. It's true. Um, so, yeah, so we got her, yeah, from a then a friend of a friend fostered her. And so we, we got her that way. And then Franklin, poor Franklin. Franklin actually was uh, someone was fostering him, and someone had posted about him on this cat group that John was on Facebook. And so he sent it to me, and of course, you know, I saw it and was like, well, let's just go meet this cat, which was AKA, <laughs> like, let's just go pick up this cat. And it was so sad. His story was he was covered in fleas. And his yeah, story was that he, as like a kitten, along with a couple other, I assume probably his same like litter of kittens, had been dropped off in a box just on the side of the street next to UCB Theater in Hollywood, which is actually on mm-hmm. Franklin Avenue. Um, which is funny because we were already thinking about naming Cat Franklin after Franklin Delano Bluth of Arrested Development. Nice. And then we realized that Franklin was also um, found on Franklin Avenue. So it was kind of a, yeah. a nice little coincidence there. Yeah. And actually, it worked out so well. Like, I was actually a little bit nervous because when we met, went to meet Franklin, he was just clearly so, like, overwhelmed by everything that he was just running around in circles throughout the entire apartment. <laughs> Would not even let us pick him up. We could not even catch him. And so, but then we were like, we still need him. So we went, it was like a couple of days later, we came back and picked him up. Uh, it just turned out that he was just like the nicest, cuddliest cat that, I mean, Aww. really could have gone any couple ways with when you, like, don't have that initial, like that like stereotypical like you stare into each other's eyes and you just fall in love we were like oh god this cat could be a cat could be crazy yeah this cat could be totally (laughs) crazy and he's just so sweet he like cuddled he cuddled with me today i mean granted he still is a little bit of a terror like he he well first of all he will eat any cardboard anywhere Mm. he tears paper apart franklin no it's not food and then he has just started doing you know all the stereotypical like cat chaos type behaviors of just and then, yeah, like I mentioned, he'll jump on top of the fridge. And, uh, yeah, for, for, he, like, never chases his tail. And then he gets on top of the fridge, chases his tail, falls off. And then I worry that he's internally bleeding, but he's always been fine. <laughs> yeah, trash cats are resilient. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, now maybe we should recap. Should we get into uh, the cat who saw red now that we've talked about our cats? I figured at the end, yeah. too, we could also talk about how our cats would potentially act in a murder-solving situation. Because I know neither of mine would ever be helpful at all. <laughs> you know, I feel like Ari could potentially be helpful. I feel like she could, too, actually. My other cats are useless. Yeah. <laughs> but Ari... Ari, I feel like she understands. And she knows how to open cabinets. You're right. She is kind of scarily smart. She is. She watched me open a cabinet once. And then I saw her take both of her paws, wrap them around the knob, and pull. Okay, we'll chalk that up now to maybe alien overlord. (laughs) Yeah, if anyone's an alien overlord here, it's Ari. (laughs) Um, okay, should we talk about The Cat Who Saw Red and this most ridiculous book of cats who solve crimes? And their sexist owners. 
<laughs> and yes, they're sexist owners. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, so probably to start off, we should mention that The Cat Who Saw Red is one in a line of many yes. The Cat Who books yes. by Lillian Jackson Braun. Good point. Yes, that is factual and... information. <laughs> and we have a uh, family history of reading these books, and we are kind of undecided on who started that <laughs> or where it came from. <laughs> it's so true. We have like a hand-me-down hearsay. Like, I think that, I don't know why, I think that mom read them, but you think that a, fr- a family friend read them. You know, I think it could be both because uh-huh. I do vaguely remember the Pharaohs reading them, but I also mentioned it to mom the other day and she was like, oh yeah, I don't know where those came from. Maybe Carol, our <gasps> grandmother. Oh, so okay. now I'm thinking maybe Carol was reading them, which would make sense because she's kind of a cat lady too. That's true. She is kind of a cat lady. Okay. So basically cat ladies unite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh and now we're going to dive into some The Cat Who Saw Red. The Cat Who Saw Red. The Cat Who Saw Red. So basically this series is about, well, first of all, this is a very prolific writer, Lillian Jackson Braun. There are over, I believe, about over 30 books um, of The Cat Who wow. series in the cozy mystery genre, all uh, involving Jim Quillerin, the news reporter for the Daily Fluxion. Um, and his two cats, Siamese cats, Coco and Yum Yum. And so the series goes through uh, sort of his career and the crimes that he stumbles upon and the ways that his cats help him solve mysteries. Which we're still not quite sure how it started because the cat who saw red is not the first in the series and we don't know which one is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're not really sure. We did some uh, cursory digging, and we did find that there were two books written in, I believe, the 60s and 70s, but then The Cat Who Saw Red is the first in, like, a reboot, and then The Cat Who Saw Red came about in, I, I believe it was actually uh, the year I was born, in 1986. So, yeah, this is potentially the third, but one of the earliest The Cat Who books. We decided to start with this one. This is the one that, like, won awards and the one that we remember from childhood that's right that is an excellent point yeah this is definitely the one i remember (laughs) from childhood this is the one that oh i should also probably give the the tag too that part of the reason that i got back into these books is that i was at a local a really great local bookstore the iliad which i love and also has cats in it so i was like already super inspired yeah they're such badass cats too they're named like jupiter and like saturn and like planety names so this bookstore is great and I was just kind of futzing around um, one day and then I was in the mystery section and stumbled upon these and was like oh my god I remember I was having like a like a childhood nostalgia flashback and like couldn't really remember how I knew them but knew that they were from our past so I grabbed a bunch knew that they would become important (laughs) one day I had I flashed into the future and knew (laughs) um so I grabbed a bunch for you know two or three dollars um whatever they were and then read the cat who saw red and then uh gave it to Julia and here we are now here we are here we are and you know for as like dated as they are they are really fun and like super (laughs) silly 
I mean, honestly, the idea of cat solving crimes is just so fun and wonderful to me that I just can't wait to talk more about this. Oh, and we also, we don't want to stop with the cat who either. We have a number of different series in mind uh, still in the cozy mystery genre that, you know, we're going to maybe go to next and kind of intersperse throughout because, yeah, it's just such a fun, cool thing. Because who hasn't thought that their cat is a little bit smarter than we give them credit for? Yeah, and there should definitely not only be one series in the world that talks about cat solving crimes. Oh my god, agreed. If we run out of books, we'll just have to start writing them ourselves. Yeah, because I feel like dogs get too much credit. Oh, so true. Not to hate on dogs. That's not what this podcast is for. But also... No, it's true. Dogs are beautiful creatures and we don't deserve them. It's true. (laughs) But... So are cats, and they should get equal amount of credit. Agreed. There's so much cat. What's the right word? There's just a lot of cat jokes out there. A lot of cat hate. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of cat animosity. Yeah, that's the right way to say it. Yeah, cat animosity. Yeah. Okay, so the cat who saw red starts with Jim Quillerin. He lives in, did we decide where he lives? He lives in Moose County. You know, I think we are arguing that in the next book because he moves after he spoiler alert (gasps) becomes rich and famous that's right that is right spoiler alert we're reading a second the next book already for the next episode and quillerin makes quite a leap in his life after after this book so you're right that's right so he this is still a small town though that he lives in this one Mm -hmm. um and he is reporting for the daily flexion he was, I'm reading here on Wikipedia, it's reminding me that he was a former crime reporter. So that might be a part of his, like, gruff, nah, maybe gruff is the wrong word, but his curmudgeonly demeanor that he's, like, seen it all. Yeah, that's true. And probably also how his cat solved a crime in the first place. That's a good point, too. Yes, <laughs> that could be the origin story there. Um, yeah. Yeah, right, because, like, how does a cat first stumble upon an indoor cat, mind you? A dead body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in a park. Yeah, how does that happen? Although, spoiler alert for later in this uh, in this book, Quillerin does take his cats on walks. Mm, not not yes, super does. frequently, but that is a part of a very strategic moment in this book. Although, I don't know if it really... Anyway, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this book starts with Quillerin being assigned a restaurant review section, uh, mm-hmm. which is very poorly timed in his personal life. He is told that he has high cholesterol, I believe it is. Yeah, something to do with his health. Kind of a, it was kind of a mixed bag, I think, and they didn't 100% describe exactly what it was, but he was definitely trying to eat more like lean foods. And then he was trying to, I think he didn't, he didn't drink too, right? He was trying to avoid drinking was he (laughs) uh that's a good point because later alcohol does feature quite prominently yes it does so i don't i think i think he uh was just trying to limit his intake of you know rich foods which as you said was poorly timed with his assignment to the like rich food section yeah yeah basically (laughs) the like here eat everything like full of butter and delicious and he yeah. gr- grudgingly accepts. And then he, through a little bit of a convoluted couple steps, actually ends up living at a communal sort of living house called Mouse House, spelled M A U S H A U S. 
um, mm-hmm. which is a sort of collective, I guess it's just an apartment building where everyone, but they have communal dinners, um, which is the big thing here. So it's like a culinary yeah. thing. So I would like to back up and point out that this move was very ill-advised. Mm-hmm. So he invited his fanciest friends that he knew <laughs> to a fancy dinner with him because he gets to eat on the newspaper's dime, That's basically. Right. That's right. That is said numerous times. So many times he, like, goes out to eat or, like, does something and he'll be like, but this is on the newspaper's dime. That's why <laughs> I'm not paying for this. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, this fancy friend could not make his fancy dinner, but she also couldn't make her fancy dinner and sent him instead. That's right. And it ended up being at this mouse house, which is just like some rich guy's house. And he like cooks and puts on dinners sometimes. Yeah, he wasn't even a, a chef. Like that was the part that I thought was so funny is that he, this guy was like, I think he was a lawyer. Like I think he had a day job and then just liked to cook for people, which in my mind is a little bit of a serial killer quality. Like that seems very like questionable in my mind of like, come to my house and I'll cook for you on the on my off hours. But it wasn't even like, come to my house and I'll cook for you. It was like, you're the only one coming to this house everyone else lives here oh that's true yeah that for that initial dinner because he he decides to move in after after he goes there and realizes that his high school sweetheart who he's still in love with yeah. is living there <laughs> yes that was an excellent plot twist that just yeah. made me laugh a lot so that was his it wasn't even like oh, this house is full of culinary experts and obviously I should be around other culinary experts. It's like, hey, there's an empty apartment and I just found this hot old girlfriend who I'm still kind of in love with, who is married, by the way. Is married, but is having a little bit of a rough time in her marriage. So she's having a rough patch in her marriage. It still does not mean that you should, like, next day move into her house. (laughs) That is very true. That is very good advice for anyone who's (laughs) contemplating moving into a culinary communal living situation in which your ex currently resides. Yeah. Um, Because spoiler spoiler alert, she... Should I just say it? No, maybe we should wait. Yeah. (laughs) Good things do not happen to her. (laughs) It's true. It's so true. Uh, Yes. So... Where should we even go from there? Do you want to take it from here? Because I sort of have lost my train of thought. (laughs) Um, Okay. So what does happen next? I guess the next kind of like movement in the plot is when Quillerin and his married love interest, Joy. Joy, yes. Begin kind of hanging out you know having dinners every once in a while he invites her over for drinks to his apartment but wait Um, doesn't she show up with alcohol to his apartment late at night you know that sounds like it could be a thing because the next what i was getting oh was the next thing that like moves the plot along is like somehow she ends up in his apartment being like i'm gonna leave my husband yes that's right I want a divorce. He's terrible, which to be fair, he is. Oh, he's so terrible. Have, has the conversation already happened about Dan is the husband's name. Mm. Um, and Dan totally makes light of the fact that joy has lost her cat. (gasps) Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. That is the first clue to his terribleness. It is. 
It's so bad. He, so they're talking about, so the other interesting twist of Joy's, the love, uh, love interest's life is that she is a potter. She is a quite skilled potter and actually makes money that way. And there's actually a pottery studio under the apartment, like in the basement of the, this culinary collective communal living situation yeah i guess they're not really all culinary experts are they they're just like artists in general that's true that's true it is kind of like a like an artist residence because there's a quillerin's a writer right the guy who i mean whether or not he's a lawyer he's really involved in culinary arts Mm -hmm. and then joy and dan are both potters so her husband is a potter as well but not as good a potter hint hint jealousy jealousy yeah, he works with slab pots because he has, what, weak thumbs? I think he actually is missing a thumb. Oh, yeah, well, that would be a hindrance. That would be a hindrance. So he can only, he can't do the the wheel pottery a la ghost. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But Joy can, and Joy does a really good job. And she also is well known for her glazes. I remember that was very important as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is very important. Um, We're also missing a few characters, but, like, some of them aren't really important. The only one who is worth mentioning is the, like, bus boy. Yes, I was just going to bring that up. Take it away. You know, I can't remember his name. I don't either. That's not, well, but Dan is maybe a Daniel. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, Um, what is it? Maybe a Tyler? Justin? (laughs) (laughs) It's a a generic white boy name. Max. (laughs) Oh, no, and I don't have my book here with me. Andrew. <laughs> uh, Elias. I truly don't know. But <laughs> he goes missing at one point. Correct? Yeah, that's probably all you need to know yeah. about him, <laughs> to be honest. He was, like, kind of an interesting character. He, like, helped out around the house. He and Quiller and seemed to become buddies. He, like, joked a lot. And, oh, we should mention in bringing up this bus boy unnamed bus boy that at one point so while all of this is happening in the main plot uh there's a subplot in which quillerin is you know going into his house uh, or his new apartment by himself and interacting with his cats which is oh just a story unto itself and i feel like i could talk about for a thousand years uh, (laughs) on its own which we can also do shortly but there is a moment where uh, so, like, he has a typewriter because this is this is old school. Mm. On his typewriter, he's finding he'll, like, leave his apartment and come back and find words typed onto his typewriter. And so he is suspicious through most of the story that the cats are doing the typing, which is quite the tickling notion. Um, <laughs> but you do find out maybe at the very end or is it only halfway through that one of the times, only one, though, one of the yeah. times the busboy was was the one that typed something something silly. He typed dog <laughs> onto the typewriter page and Quiller. <laughs> which is just so silly. It's so silly. And so that part at least was not credited to Coco. Um, because it is just Coco who is thought to be the savant of the typewriter. Yes. Oh shoot, did we get so off track? Oh, we should take a pause to talk about Quillerin's daily routine with his cats because that is quite interesting. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so funny because he A, he feeds them, he like cooks for them daily. He does. And he like brings back little doggy little kitty bugs. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag kitty bag. <laughs> From his fancy restaurants and they eat things like 
tuna steaks and caviar and things that I will probably never have in my life. Yeah, much less your cats. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and he'll, like, go to his local butcher and he'll ask for you know he'll like look through the daily catch and he'll be like oh the cats would love that and so he'll get like you know a quarter pound of the anchovies please a quarter pound of the mackerel please and he'll bring Mm -hmm. it back to his apartment and he'll chop it up really fine for his cats daily which just sounds like i I don't have time for that a huge pain in the ass yes yes and then also there are just paragraphs of description of these cats just slinking sexily around the apartment and like is quite the (laughs) yeah they have quite the descriptions of these cats and the way they move and it makes me a little uncomfortable (laughs) yes it is quite the descriptive moments and I felt too that at the end of those uh, you know paragraphs of descriptive cat movements sometimes I wasn't even sure what had happened I don't know that much had happened, but then at the end of the paragraph, I would be like, oh, I think, I think she's trying to say that, like, they jumped from the, from the floor onto the counter, but it would be like, you know, Coco slinked his, his long svelte body from the ground onto the, you know, eye level with Quillerin or like, you know, some, some way of saying it that was like, did he jump from the floor to the counter? Because you could have just said that. Yeah, it does read like someone who wanted to write steamy romance (gasps) novels but was a little too conservative oh my god you're probably right wow I feel like you just really cracked into her psyche (laughs) (laughs) that just like William oh my god William William excellent work (laughs) that was the busboy's name thank you time heals all wounds and (laughs) recalls all (laughs) generic white boy names (laughs) Oh, man. Good work. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So back to the plot. Um, So we have the dinner with Quillerin and Dan and Joy, the Potters, Mm -hmm. in which, yeah, maybe we should talk about that dinner and the fact that. Yeah, it wasn't just the three of them. It was like the whole house. And so Dan, the terrible husband, is like publicly mocking (gasps) joy's sadness over losing this cat what a fuckhead i just can i i'm gonna say it yeah sure because yeah she was really concerned she was telling the story about how she had lost her cat recently i think too like within the last month Um, yeah and then if she was like you know saying how much it had uh affected her and like rightly so i would be distraught um and listening to like enya on repeat dramatically (laughs) if i had lost a cat and he like jokes about like he makes a joke about it i can't remember exactly the joke but he like basically laughs it off and like does nothing to comfort her much less you know even take the situation seriously yeah because he's terrible because he is true i mean that alone was just truly truly terrible should should i say spoiler alert may or may not be the reason that this cat is missing yes i know i was trying rather not to say that yes this is Hint, hint, a clue, clue. (laughs) There were, you know, this does do a a fairly good job of, like, interspersing clues throughout. And maybe I'm actually just being, patting us on the back for bringing up the things that are clues, clues for later. Yeah. 
it's also not a very subtle book like what you think is gonna happen happens it's truly not I loved that like I had finished it before you and I loved waiting to hear hearing what you thought of it and then like hearing you know like your thoughts right before you finished it and then at the end I think you were like yeah it just didn't so yes spoiler I feel like we could say now Dan is mucho guilty at the end of this (laughs) Mm-hmm. and right I just love that you were like yeah it was just him there was just no even red herring throughout it <laughs> no there really wasn't it wasn't even like oh I wonder what happened and who could have done it it was like well obviously it was him yes and exactly what we think happened happened it's so true <laughs> oh my god which I think I said I think I told you at that time was like I mean, I don't want to say that I don't because I definitely enjoy, you know, some of those more like whodunit type stories. I like do love that when it's done well. But I feel like I have been watching so much. Oh, so not done well. Like Pretty Little Liars, not to name names. Sorry, Mm. Pretty Little Liars. But I feel like I just, you know, things like that just get so. We loved you up until season three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's probably the place where it started getting so like, I don't know how you felt about it, but it, it started getting so too red herringy like too much like uh we're gonna blatantly tell you that it was this person and then make you think that it's this person to such right. an extent and then be like no haha it's this other person and I was like okay <laughs> yeah it'd be like season finales where it's like that big reveal yes. and the next season would start and they're like oh but just kidding but here are all the reasons that's not even true I was like you're lying <laughs> yeah. to me you are blatantly lying to me right now these are lies yeah, this person like <laughs> admitted to their guilt and are like in custody and this crime is still going yeah and that happened for like seven seasons in a row it did. like enough is enough oh it's so true so in some ways I did appreciate that it just was like here's a terrible person and he, we're just going to reveal how how he just continues to be terrible and mm-hmm. how he gets caught in his terribleness also spoiler alert yeah so I guess maybe the next plot point is that that night that you brought up that she come mm-hmm. that Joy goes to Quillerin's uh, apartment with booze uh they get to talking they don't do anything else because quillerin is sort of conflicted because he's i can i say it he's a little bit dumb i think yeah i think he's very dumb (laughs) um so he is sort of a bumbly sort of lovesick fool in this encounter she comes in with booze she's drinking you know they're both well does she i think she just drinks i don't think he drinks yeah, I'm not really sure. And I don't think it matters. The point is, she comes out that she wants to leave her husband. And so he writes her a big fat check. Yeah, it's true. She's <laughs> like, her leave I would her leave husband. him if I had the money. And he's like, well, I did just make $750 at this. It was like a writing contest or like a, no, he won an award for some of his articles. Something, something. Yeah. And so he gives her the money from that to divorce Dan. And he gets mm-hmm. excited because he's like, you know, this could mean. This could mean I just bought myself a new girlfriend. <laughs> Truly puts a down payment on a potential new, new old relationship. Yeah. So she is very thankful. She leaves with the check and, mm-hmm. and everyone has the assumption that, well, everyone, not us, the both of them. <laughs> have the assumption assumption that she is going to going to divorce Dan. Um yes. is it that same night? I think it might be that same night. Yeah. I think it is too because he 
you know, there are a couple more paragraphs of descriptions of the cat's nightly routine. Mm. Quillerin goes to bed, and then in the middle of the night, he's like a little groggy, wakes up, hears a woman screaming, and then he goes back to bed. Yeah, he like hears a big crash, hears a woman screaming, watches a car drive away, That's right. and then he's like, oh, you know, must be something going on. And I think, yeah, just goes back to bed. Yeah, and then, and then, even more shocking, wakes up the next morning and is like, hey, did anyone hear that commotion? And everyone's like, I don't know. I think it's fine. No, it's true. Everyone else was like, yeah, maybe I heard something, but meh. Everyone just shrugs. Yeah, they're like, oh, could have been like Fox. Yeah. And then Dan. So I think he has breakfast with Dan that morning, right? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty foggy on those <laughs> details. That's fair. But I, yeah, something... Anyway, it comes out from Dan that, because I think he, like, notices Joy's absence yes, breakfast and dinner, maybe a couple of meals. And so he was like, hey, where's Joy? And Dan was like, and then eventually they prod him enough. So Dan comes out with, well, she left me and is, like, in Florida. Oh, yeah left a note or like i got a postcard or i don't know something 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 bullshit something something bullshit but quillerin does not completely believe him because apparently joy hates hates florida um (laughs) such a specific specific reason to be like like, sunshine i don't know there was something about florida that she disliked and Quillen was like, that seems suspicious. Do you not know your wife at all? Create a more convincing lie. True. Oh, that's right. Well, and I think there was something too about, wasn't there something about, I am going to remember this poorly. And, and also it was initially pretty silly, but there was something I think in the postcard that was like, for, that was supposedly from her that was like, send me my such and such. And I <laughs> thought that it was like, I think that it was something clothing related, like fashion related. And it was something that Quillerin was like, she would never ask for that. She would never. But it was also like, send me this such and such. And Quillerin was like, okay, great. So give me her address so I can write her and see what's going on. And Dan was like, oh, she didn't give an address. I'm just supposed to send it to that town. Oh, that's right. He was like, just send it to, which, you know, to be fair, wasn't I sending things to just a general town when I was sending (laughs) you things in Albania? Yeah, but that's Albania. <laughs> yeah. So in, in Albania, the postal system does work that way. You can put someone's name, just a town, <laughs> and then their phone number, <laughs> and it will get to them because towns are small enough and people know each other. And, you know, if it shows up at the post office, they're going to be like, hey, next person to walk in, you know, the American that lives down the street, <laughs> yeah. go take this to her. That American girl with all the cats. That American girl, that like weirdo that adopted a bunch of animals. A bunch of trash cats. <laughs> a bunch of trash cats that she lets roam the streets. <laughs> and steal all the socks from the clothesline. <laughs> steal all the socks from the clothesline. Yeah, that she trained to be friendly and then let outside. <laughs> How dare she? Oh my god, you are like gonna be tried for like high crimes in Albania. <laughs> the high social etiquette crimes. <laughs> Oh, okay, but sorry, I derailed us. But, yeah. So anyway, so basically, the the whole takeaway from that is that Albania. Dan thinks he's in Albania. Yeah, Dan thinks he's in Albania, and Florida is not actually Albania. 
So Dan be full of shit. Yeah. So Dan is full of shit. And we know that pretty early on, but Quillerin is still fooled for quite some time. I know the like amount of time that everyone spends just putzing around after that is truly yeah. baffling. Yeah. Although I think the busboy took some action. Did he? But I thought he was the red herring that was, if there was ever a red herring, I thought he was the one that didn't he speed away in the night and like his car went missing or there was some link to him that was like some suspicious activity that don't you think that he's dead for a while too? Yes, because spoiler alert, he was dead. <laughs> oh my god. Uh sorry. <laughs> sorry, William. Sorry, William, I forgot that RIP. Yeah. So he uh <laughs> I you know, I'm not really sure about the car speeding away in the night. I think that might have been him for something something. He also had a girlfriend, so like maybe he was just going for a booty call. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but he was the one who found the peephole into Dan's apartment and was like, hey, I should spy on this guy because I think he there's like something going on. Yeah. And that is probably his his downfall. I'm not sure how Dan found out. Yeah. So maybe we'll remember if we start talking about because I feel like the next thing that happens is involving the Potter, big pottery show that's happening mm-hmm. at the end of I think the end of the week where they hear the scream yeah and there is a big chunk of book that we're probably going to just gloss over because it's a lot of quiller and going you know like but I just thought of something what about this yeah. and Dan being like oh yeah I can easily explain that away with another terrible lie yeah and like each time quiller and just goes to Dan's apartment and like knocks on his door and is like but what about and dan's like blah, 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 blah. and then cooler and like damn it yeah <laughs> yeah and then he like huffs away feeds his cats and it's kind of a cycle um yeah. and then interspersed with he just will randomly like be typing out he's like on a deadline every now and then and like he'll have a he has a lunch at the golden lamb chop that was a whole thing yeah and there is there are a couple of different side stories and side mysteries that are happening. Like apparently Joy had this blackmail thing going on that she was oh trying God, to like right. get going, which I really didn't care about that side story for some reason. And I'm like very unsure of how it resolved because it just blew right through my mind and well, not, did not stick in my memory. Yes. No, I mean, me neither, because literally you saying that was the first time that I remember that since reading the book. But I think it's because they don't correlate to the actual mystery. Like, a lot yeah, of times... it has nothing to do with the main story. Yes. I feel like even some of the other... Well, I shouldn't... Anyway, I was going to bring Pretty Little Liars back into it, but I chose not to. Um, and then told everyone <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of other maybe just different mystery stories that I've watched or read or, you know, whatever so much more connects into the final reveal or the final, you know, actual big mystery thread. And this just didn't like, there just was one main story. And then there were all these little ancillary stories that were almost to be honest, like more like short stories that did not really factor in. They just had the same characters. Yeah, there was no, like, skillful intertwining yeah. of anything. <laughs> it's very true. So, so yeah, so there's a, there's a big chunk of the cycle of Quiller and eating out, him mm-hmm. being on deadline to review these, uh, you mm-hmm. know, restaurants, him huffing back and forth between the Daily Fluxion office and him having little sassy conversations with his editor, 
And then him coming back and, you know, talking to Dan about his suspicions, which also I feel like real life advice. If you suspect someone of murder, maybe you shouldn't show your whole hand to them yeah as you're coming up with ideas maybe you shouldn't maybe you shouldn't brainstorm with the murderer the (laughs) ways that the murderer might have happened yeah you should definitely like take some time and like build a case yeah but you know it all worked out in the end that's true it did work for quillerin it did happen to work out for <laughs> Quillerin <laughs> by no fault of his own. That's true. And we should maybe bring the cats back into it now because very helped along by the cats. Suspiciously so because apparently Coco can actually type on the typewriter because as so as the show, this pottery, big pottery show is approaching, the other big part of uh, the pottery, whole pottery scenario between Joy and Dan is that Joy has these really fancy glazes, this like glaze recipe that she's come up with that's fairly revolutionary, has really, really bright mm-hmm. colors. Dan is the living glaze. Oh my god, that's right. Thank you so much for bringing that up. The living glaze. <laughs> Jesus. That is so funny. That yeah, Dan is you know actively jealous of and acts like it. He has like temper tantrums throughout about it. And so that show's coming up. And then as it's coming up, things start kind of ratcheting up to that point. Dan, I think, is sinking, like, his actual money into the show. No, no, no. No? He is sinking Quillerin's money into the show because he added a one in front of that check number (laughs) and cashed it. (laughs) Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Uh, Yeah. So Quillerin gets a call from the bank being like, your bank account is overdrawn because you gave somebody, like, $1,700 and he was like no I didn't so that was another clue that's right clue clue that he like then immediately went to Dan about and was like uh is this bankrolling your uh show and Dan was like oh yeah Joy gave it to me (laughs) (laughs) thinner thread thinner little uh explanation yeah she only used have to go to florida and gave the rest to me for the show because even though she left me she wanted me to have a good life (laughs) (laughs) even though i hate her cat (laughs) such a terrible person um and a pretty terrible liar yeah that's true he is a really terrible liar i feel like at one point too he does kind of a like a shrug of like my bad but it's already done so i'm gonna keep your money and quillerin's like oh god yeah yeah so then what happens after that so oh so i was gonna bring up the pb on the typewriter Mm -hmm. so quillerin finds pb written on his typewriter and uh assumes that it is coco question mark like i forget that exact process but somehow yeah. it leads him to oh franklin's here franklin just jumped oh, up franklin. Hi, hi buddy do you want to come podcast with us no okay <laughs> that's fine i mean he is hanging out so maybe he's getting ready to sit right on my computer screen perfect as any good cat does um yeah so the pb leads quiller into the fact that there is lead in the in the glaze uh no so pb he thought at first stood for poisoned beef (laughs) because his cats escaped out of a window and the the like house cleaning lady was like they died (laughs) oh my god that's right (laughs) 
like, like embarrassing the vet, they were dead and oh, Clara's god. like oh my god the beef was poisoned someone killed my cats and then they were you know like an hour later they were scratching at the window like help us let us back in yeah because we're... cats are dumb they escape they come back oh it's so true and those cats probably rightly knew because they're apparently is semi-intelligent enough probably to know that they yeah. could not hang out or deal with themselves outside of Quilleran's daily cooking sessions yeah. for them. They are right. pretty pampered cats. They're not going to survive they... in the wild. No, absolutely not. But cats have a very, like, in my experience, a very cow-like quality of, like, <laughs> being able to escape from wherever they are in. But they, like, somehow cannot figure out how to get back. My cat, my, well, okay, two of them are useless, but my one intelligent cat... <laughs> can open things open windows open some doors open cabinets and escape and she can make it like back to that door but she can't figure out ever how to like get back through it to get inside yeah it was like it was a one-time smartness yeah so that's what happened with these cats and the maid was like oh i was just scared and thought that you were never gonna find your cats again so i told you they died (laughs) i mean which is just maybe the wrong choice which is maybe the wrong choice because they were gone for like what a couple of hours you can look for them yeah i mean that really is panic mode uh, initiated way too early yeah hardcore panic mode on her part yeah and not really like any sort of part of the story it was just there that's true so he initially thinks it's poison beef but then what does it end up being so it does end up being lead which makes me think that he is grasping at straws for how intelligent coco is because why would a cat know the scientific notation for lead well as i think i pointed out to you before i think that these cats know the the periodic table of elements yeah, I mean, if they're aliens, they totally would. That's true. That's true. If they're aliens, yeah. they would absolutely know. Yeah. So before we get into this, we should mention that uh, William, the houseboy, has gone missing yes, as well. Yes, that's right. And yeah, so the lead ends up being how Dan poisoned William. <gasps> that's the bus right. Boy. Oh my god. How did I remember that he, like, only even barely remember that he died, but then not remember how he died? i don't even know sorry william he was lead poisoned which i did in a way i actually kind of liked that it was a little mysterious because i was like are they gonna bring this up in other books which now actually after having read at least one other book and a half i guess i am very suspicious that that is not gonna happen but (laughs) i like kind of liked the supernatural element of maybe these cats are like supernaturally smart like can you know interact and talk like not talk but like Mm -hmm. you know at least think in the same way that a human can but I really Mm -hmm. don't think that's what was happening no no probably not (laughs) so then I guess one of the next like biggest things is just that should we talk about the photo shoot Mm -hmm. so I guess okay question does the pottery event release event happen before or after so the photo shoot happens before the pottery event and well before Quillerin figures any of this out right because there's a whole nother cycle of him like he has all the information and then he just sits on it for a very long time yeah so he 
he eventually goes to his one smart friend <laughs> who is kind of kind of like in the background that he like talks to i think he's his newspaper buddy or like his you know high school buddy or someone but somebody that he like stayed in touch with that he talks to about these things yeah and he's kind of like well joy's gone i don't know what happened to her i think her husband did something yeah and the friend's like well let's get your cat to go search his apartment and cooler right. like huh yeah all right yeah that's a good idea my cat solves crime let's do let's do that you're like this has happened before so <laughs> and so the friend is the crafty one who is a photographer and offers to use his photography to get into the pottery studio under the guise of we want to do a spread of your pots and like glazes and things before the show and and while he was talking to Dan about it, he was like, oh, and you know what would look great inside this pot? A cat. <laughs> because what pot? Do, do you have a cat? And Dan's like, no, I don't. I did. But obviously I was an asshole about it. And, Shoot. You know, I shouldn't have. Made it disappear. <laughs> oh, so the friend. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to add in, which I forgot that Dan was also being like kind of an, a needy bastard because he kept talking or like opportunist maybe that's a better word because he like mm. kept talking to Quillerin about how he wanted the newspaper Quillerin's newspaper to do like a whole spread on how amazing he was and like the event mm-hmm, and because mm-hmm. he needed people to come because he didn't have money you know he stole money basically to like pay for it so he full circle I think when this photography session came up I think that was kind of also Quillerin being like oh this is the perfect way to like get in because I know that Dan wants this and like right the mm-hmm. photographer who that photographer is kind of the best character in this whole damn book because he's fucking crafty he's just he's like the one who made it happen yes he did he's like let's get this done and so he totally does and then right there's this amazing I like oh my god I like fucking loved the chapter where they're taking these ridiculous professional photo shoot style pictures with the photographer Dan Quillerin and is it just Coco? I think it's just Coco. I think it's just Coco. Yeah. And the photographer's great. He's like, oh yeah, Dan, let me distract you and take all these pictures and don't mind the cat and my random friend walking <laughs> around. <laughs> oh my I'd god. I need them there for, you know, to look good. Yeah, he is really the linchpin of this whole situation because Mm-mm-mm. if not for him, I'm not sure any of the rest of this would have happened. Yeah, if he had been the main character in the cat owners instead of Quillerin, this book would have been three chapters. You know, I was also just thinking, it's really too bad. Because Quillerin, Quillerin is a funny character unto himself. But I kind of wish that the photographer was the main character and had the cats yeah. and was the main crime. Yeah, the brains. Yeah, <laughs> like I kind of was more interested in his life than Quillerin's life. Because Quillerin's a little bit boring. Yeah. But anyway, so they're in this ridiculous photo shoot. They take a bunch of pictures, which I would love to see those pictures, by the way. Yeah, I'm pretty interested in what this living glaze looks like. That's true, because, right, not only is it, because, right, of course, Dan is now passing off Joy's pots as his own, and is like, the living glaze. No, no. Oh. He destroyed all of her <gasps> pots and glazed his pots in her living glaze. That was, like, the one thing that the critics That's right. were like. Yeah, they came to his show and were like, oh, beautiful, stunning, absolutely gorgeous. This glaze is amazing. <laughs> but why did he glaze these terrible pots in this beautiful glaze? <laughs> oh, my God, that's right. I forgot. Why is my memory so terrible? But yeah, anyway, so this this photo shoot happens. Coco is very suspicious of the red pots. Yes. 
and also a hatch in the floor that smells like death. <laughs> yes. That Dan's like, oh, don't worry about it. That's just my clay. And there's rats down there. Right. And he says something about like fermenting too, I think. Yeah. And which I think was confirmed by another potter that Coloran talked to that clay smells bad as it ages. Oh, right. Yeah. Because doesn't he go to like a, am I remembering this wrong? My memory is apparently very faltering uh, <laughs> towards the end here. But doesn't he go to like a professor of pots yeah and i think that's where he learns about the lead something something ah okay and the the smelly clay that right didn't turn out to be smelly clay turned out to be william sorry william ah sorry william (laughs) well and okay so then so coco is suspicious of certain red glazed pots Mm -hmm. and then i forget the leap yeah how does he actually find out that Big reveal, Joy uh, was killed in the pot, in the, oh god, what is it called when it's a big kiln? The big, it's like a big walk-in kiln, basically. Yeah, big walk-in kiln. So, Dan has all of these bright red, beautiful pots. Yes. And a smelly basement. <laughs> and so, Coco goes back with Quillerin to his apartment. And then, that night, they're kind of like... The cats are playing and doing their thing and jumping all around. And Coco knocks over a pottery book, Mm. like a pottery history of pottery book. That's right. And so Quillerin picks it up and starts reading it. And it turns out that there have been a couple of cases where these bright red beautiful pots have come out of the kiln. But red glaze is very hard, apparently, to finish. And so in these historic instances of really vibrant red pots, there have always been living or not living at the time, but like organic matter in the kiln at the time of the firing. So like in ancient China, I think it was, there was a walk-in kiln that a farm animal had gotten into oh, that's right. like while they were firing and so they fired these pots and something about the organic matter maybe like the iron in you know the living creature or you know some other something something fuses with the pots right. and creates this really bright red color that's right and we um, are led to believe that coco who previously smelled and freaked out at the pot that was also read this book yeah. and knew <laughs> what was going on yes which i like if it was more supernatural which it is not it is not ever quite revealed or explained but that is the connection that quillerin makes and then sits on for days he has all the information and i also do i mean i do aside from you know coco reading books or whatever um, mm-hmm. or knowing the periodic table, I would be tempted to believe that a cat would, or any animal would react a certain way towards something that has been infused with organic remains. Yeah, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. although then again, I mean, I know kilns blast to like thousands of degrees. So who actually knows? Yeah. But this is the history of the cat who, but not, not <laughs> potentially the history of the real, real world. Yeah. So Quillerin has all of this information and then there's really no lead up to this. It's like he has all this information and he's like, this is looking all suspicious. <laughs> and then one night he's just like, I need to call the police. And so he calls the police and details all of this information to them. And is like, you need to do something. This man 
killed my lady friend. My old flame, potentially new flame, and I gave her $750, and they're like, sir, that's an overshare. (laughs) Yeah, so he details all of this information to the police, and is like, something needs to be done immediately, and the police are like, well, you know, maybe let's sit on it for a day, and he's like, all right, yeah. (laughs) Everyone cool their heels and think things through. Cool it. It is late at night, potentially. I can't remember when he called them, but I think it was always late at night, yeah. I think it was late at night. Yeah, the point is he called them. They were like, okay, we'll come investigate, but go back to bed, sir. (laughs) And and so he did. And then, so that night, so it sounds kind of like Quillerin had all of the information, but like not a lot of proof. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think at that point he realized that William's body was in the basement. He like maybe suspected, but was kind of like, I don't know. I just think these fantastic things about Dan maybe killing Joy. I just have a a hunch. But then that night, in between him calling the cop and them coming to investigate, some very poor timing on Dan's part happens. He breaks into the apartment and tries to kill Quillerin. Oh my god, that's right. (laughs) Um, And ends up knocking himself out on a booby trap oh that we think God. maybe Yum Yum set. Oh, right, because this is Yum Yum's moment in the sun because... This is Yum Yum's time to shine. Yeah, because <laughs> a little bit of patriarchy here. Coco is the male cat and does most of the heavy lifting here, whereas mm-hmm. Yum Yum is relegated to just looking nice, which I think is actually a direct quote. I don't think I'm even exaggerating that. Um, yeah, it's a pretty sexist book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... But this is right, Yum Yum's moment to shine. Yeah. So they, she, maybe both of them, but mostly she, it seems like, you know, batted some yarn around and. Right. But I would say purposefully, if Coco is purposefully knocking books over and typing lead on a typewriter, then yeah, Yum Yum purposefully set a booby trap with her yarn antics here's the thing if coco is freaking bill nye the science guy and knows the fucking periodic table of elements then we can safely assume that yum yum is macgyver and can just jerry-rig some shit around the apartment yeah that sounds right yes so then oh my god okay so i'm gonna let you tell me the rest of the story because my memory has completely failed me so that's you know it's that's kind of it (laughs) they like (laughs) the end goodbye (laughs) in the end so yeah Quillerin wakes up to a big crash Dan comes in with a rolling pin oh my god that he probably uses to roll his slab pots out oh right of course yes yeah so he comes in with a rolling pin trips over yum yum's booby trap and then like throws the rolling pin out the window (laughs) as he's like careening to the floor (laughs) I mean coordinated effort sure yeah, so Quillerin wakes up and is like, what the devil is going on in here? And finds Dan passed out on the floor. And then, so then the police come again, and it kind of, it all comes out in the next couple of pages that Dan tested his murder theory on R.I.P. poor cat oh. was the uh, test subject for, you know, being burned alive in this kiln. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, technically we don't know if anyone was burned alive they could have been burned already oh, passed yes. on. No, you're right. He could have killed them with his rolling pin and then yes. burned them. Correct. Or the lead. I don't know. True. Yeah. However, the lead poisoning works in this. However, the, the poisoning works. In this reality. Yeah. Yes. So 
poor cat we find out has been the test subject of this next comes joy right. who was also murdered and thrown into a kiln so no proof there because both those bodies are gone right they are very gone which can they collect D- i mean i don't think they went into this at all but can they collect dna if it's been burned that highly but if it has been infused into a pot because all of this just i i just imagine someone who actually knows like a forensic scientist listening to this mm-hmm. and being like just laughing and being like whatever the <laughs> answer is which i clearly don't know um yeah but um you know i'm not sure i would assume that like there's probably some traces in the glaze if you do right? that sort of work. If you maybe, could like... But like maybe not in the 80s. Oh, right. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so anyway, we're unsure of if there would be any proof remaining from this cat and yes. joy murder session. But uh, cat the and joy are... murder session. Sorry, that is just, I imagine that as like a band t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Unfortunate. Uh, Unfortunate circumstances. It truly is. And uh, sorry not to cut you off again, but I did just realize that what Dan is probably. So he basically. So sorry, this is like a question and a statement together. He can only be arrested for the murder of the bus boy because he shoves the bus boy in the lake, doesn't he? He's down the hatch, but then he dumps him in the lake. Doesn't a scuba diver have to find him? So the bus boy does not end up in the lake. Joy's pots end up in the lake. Oh, okay. Because he destroyed all of her pots and proof that her living glaze was actually meant to be on her work. Right, 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 right. So he was like, any good in pots lake. in this in this studio have to go. Yeah. So pots end up in the lake. Joy's body is gone. Cat's body is gone. But so his mistake. Was that apparently in firing pottery, you need to uh, fire the pots all day long. Mm-hmm. So you throw them in the kiln, you know, temperature goes up to like a bajillion degrees. You fire the pots and then you can't just open the door and let it immediately cool down. You have to leave them in the kiln and let everything right. cool very slowly for 24 hours. I remember or, that. You know, however long it takes. Yeah. Because I would assume that, you know, like hot meets cold, they would all crack immediately. Yeah. So when he killed William, his pottery show pots were still cooling in the right. kiln. And so he could not immediately throw another body in there to disintegrate. And so William's body ended up down the hatch in the basement where the fermenting clay was that's right and so he was like waiting to burn william's body yeah um but Um, oh but what i was gonna say is so then he technically because they only found william's body he's only arrested for william's murder i mean maybe i don't know it doesn't really go into that but i would assume he's also probably arrested for attempted murder because he tried to kill quillerin oh that's true too i basically was just saying that the cat and joy don't really get justice so here's the thing i just imagined that there was a parallel book series that just was instead of the murder in cats it was or like true crime in cats it was lawyers and cats oh no that sounds terrible <laughs> <laughs> and then it could be like prison guards and cats oh no prison <laughs> guards and cats aka filch oh my god yes uh harry potter reference <laughs> glad we got that in there so that's basically it right 
yeah that's pretty much it there was another page at the end where like something something about like feuding restaurants oh came my God. to it fruition did not matter. But, like another one of those things that kind of in one ear and out the other I don't care about this <laughs> yeah no 100% I just remember at the very end he's I think he's t- either talking to his editor or that friend again and I just remember him being so blasé about Joy being dead and just kind of like shrugging again in his little grumpy self and being like well that's the way the wind blows. I mean, okay, that's... Well, I don't know if you remember this, but two-thirds of the way... <laughs> <laughs> about two-thirds of the way into the book, he gets a new love interest. Yes, he does. God damn so, him. Yeah, so by the end of the book, he has a new love interest. He's and Joy is gone and not forgotten, but not as much cared about anymore not forgotten but not remembered (laughs) (laughs) not hung up on yeah 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 definitely wow and you know then coco and yum yum continue to live there does he oh i was gonna say continue to live their pampered lives and then i was gonna ask does he because i think another one of the things about this series now having read a couple books ahead is that he moves a couple different times for books like I feel like that's kind of a trope too that like he moves closer to each of the like murders or true crime or whatever it is and I don't know that they address it in this book maybe the beginning of the next book but does he move out of this collective like commune after this happens I mean it really kind of just ends there (laughs) the end (laughs) the murder stuff comes out next page restaurant feuding mystery ends Mm -hmm. and that's really it it ends on that oh man i'm trying to end it on like a cat related thing but i guess maybe it doesn't uh i would have to go back and look at like the last line in the book i think it might yeah maybe it was related to the back to the um the typewriter i feel like that he sees one last you know what it absolutely i remember yes yes, i knew i could jog your memory not my own but yours <laughs> it ends on the typewriter you are correct yes. so he makes some sort of joke about his cats you know continuing to be pampered and uh and potentially than him. Oh, oh oh yes yeah required. acquiring yeah, yeah, yeah. uh fancy tastes for for fancy foods and right when they look over they realize that coco has typed out K-V-R for caviar. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I want to stab that book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That makes me just want to... I don't even know. Oh, my God. Oh, I have so many feelings. Okay. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's it. That's the last line of the book. That's truly it oh man well that was the cat who saw red and we are gonna come back next time with the cat who knew shakespeare yeah and so now you don't have to read the cat who saw red and <laughs> this is all just and next week you won't have to read the cat who wrote shakespeare either <laughs> you guys were really just cliff notes for books that you never knew that you wanted to have in your brain but you didn't want to actually read yourself <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, next week, Lillian Jackson Braun and the two of us and our cats are tackling the cat who knew Shakespeare. I'm just going to give a little yeah. uh, a little description of I'm holding the book in my hands at the moment. Oh, great. I'm just going to give a little description of the uh, cover because I feel like it is uh, pertinent to all of our aesthetic here. Mm-hmm. It is the title is the full length of the cover. And then behind it is the background of Hamlet and an open book with red splashed cat paws like bloody cat paws walking all over it i will say that that red splash and cat paws walking through it is on every single one of the book covers (laughs) that's true this is i think the reason i wanted to do this is that it's such an indication of every single one of these books yeah (laughs) which just made me think as a cat owner the idea of seeing bloody cat prints is truly horrifying because it means that my cats have somehow broken their or someone in your apartment got murdered and they just <gasps> bla- like blase walked through it because that's what cats would do you know here's the thing if coco and yum yum really are so smart i mean it is true that as far as we know i mean we've read what one and a half books two books mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. but as far as we know the cats have not actually contaminated a crime scene but here's the thing if a cat is walking through a bloody scene that is contaminating the crime scene and if Coco and Yum Yum really are as smart as they, as they type, type out on typewriters that they are, mm-hmm. then they would know that they should not walk through a crime scene. Case closed. Yeah, I mean, they might know that, but my cats wouldn't. That's true. No, my cats wouldn't either. I, it's like, remember when, when I was home just a couple weeks ago? Um, oh my God, did, I just forgot. I don't think we ever said that we were sisters. I mean, we have the same last name. I'm sure people assumed. That's true. That's true. Um, but what I was going to say is I feel like cats, when a thing happens, they like Franklin does this a hundred percent. If something is happening in the apartment, he immediately goes there. And I feel like Chuni did that too last week when um, I can't remember who it was, but someone broke a glass and then Chuni was immediately beelining for it, for it. And I had to like grab him and he yeah. even was like slinking out of my hands into the glass shards. I had to like hold him and grab him and pull him away. Like a shark. yes yes exactly just drawn to destruction (laughs) drawn to the chaos (laughs) oh man well is that let me see i i guess that wraps up our first episode of paranormal captivity woohoo thank you everyone for joining us on this cozy mystery journey we'll be back next week with the cat who knew shakespeare yeah okay goodbye fellow cat people bye